Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Ronnie Martin, who's an author, pastor, and much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm joined with Ronnie Martin, who's an author, pastor, and does a whole lot more as well. And so very excited for this conversation today. We talk a little bit about small towns and ministering in small town context. And so this is for pastors, ministry leaders, or anyone interested in learning more about ministry in small towns. So maybe that maybe you find yourself in a small town or know someone who is in ministry there. Maybe you just want to learn a little bit more about what the life is like. Well, this podcast is for you. Uh, his latest book with Donnie Griggs, Pastoring Small Towns, is available. And we learn a little bit more about the preferences, the challenges of doing ministry in this environment, this context, and learn more about discipleship, right? How do we come in and uh, and be patient and endure a couple of words that certainly stick out when doing this type of ministry? Well, I'm going to turn it over to my conversation with Ronnie. Stay tuned. Ronnie, having you uh, back on here for the second time, had you on uh, toward the end of 2022, getting ready for the season of Advent, preparing for Christmas, the um, birth of Christ. And so now we're kind of shifting gears. And uh, I know you've been doing a lot of work recently with Donnie and you're both come from similar um, ministry experiences and where you're called to serve the local church now in a small town. And so, um, yeah, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Yeah. And so um, I just would love to hear a bit more about kind of your heart for small towns and, you know, what was so prompting for you to, to write this book with, um, with Donnie and, you know, what was the genesis, so to speak, of this? Yeah. So, gosh, I don't I forget exactly how Don and I met. It was a few years ago um, and I, I forget how we all got connected. Um, but we um, we kind of immediately hit it off. We started having some really fun conversations we're both pastoring in small towns, but our our context is quite a bit different. He's on a kind of a coastal town, which gets pretty big during the during the summer months with a lot of travelers and right. tourists. I pastor kind of a more traditional mid mid Ohio small town, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you'd think of maybe a little bit more if you think of the right. traditional small town setting. But we um, we were just talking about sort of the unique challenges that we both face within this context. Um, and having lived in other contexts mm-hmm. um, and, and what that looks like for us. And I think more specifically, mm-hmm. um, there's been a little bit of a resurgence in sort of this conversation about small towns and small town pastoring and planting. It's mainly been around small town planting, which is good. Um, we just we talked and talked, and I think the idea from our perspective was we don't really see anything for those that are already in the context of, of pastoring in a small town and how can we Mm. write a book that Mm. we would love to be written for ourselves, um, as a way to just encourage, because it is a unique context. 
it can feel very um, alone. It can it can mm. be a very isolating um, kind of a kind of a scenario for a lot of mm. for a lot of pastors. So, what can we do to write a book that specifically speaks into those that are already in a small town mm-hmm. context and just kind of facing the sure. unique things they're facing? So that was kind of the genesis right. of it. No, I appreciate it. And so I think for listeners, right, I love how it's it's geared toward pastors and, you know, would like to extend that to ministry leaders too. I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but to, yeah, so. yeah, so that, you know, we do have pastors, ministry leaders, folks who are growing and, um, yeah, growing in their faith here. And so I guess first, maybe some people don't think that there's a difference between city church, you know, city ministry and, and more rural or small town ministry. So what are some of the big marks, kind of the big signposts that are different uh, between maybe, you know, we'll do the contrast, I guess, would be an urban environment and more of a small town environment? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think it's um, a lot of it is, um, I, I think one of the foundational things is that a small town is not typically a transient culture. Hmm. So you don't really have people kind of moving in and out of it, which creates sort of a very like generationally stacked environment where hmm. you have families that have lived there for, you know, you got maybe four or five generations going back of families that have lived in one place. And they live in these particular kinds of places for a reason. You know, they're not they're not looking to get out. Um, right. They're not looking to you know have this be a stepping stone into you know where they can sort of like progress their career. Right. Um, there's a there's a reason why they're in the town they're in, and it usually has a lot to do with um, their heritage and their family involvement. Sure. And so what that does is that creates a particular kind of environment within these towns that if for an outsider, it's a little hard to break in. Right. We, we definitely right. experience that. Um, you know, we're kind of transplants in the town mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're in. But it also creates um, a particular kind of value system that, that's different than, say, like an urban or suburban environment. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the challenging things when you're coming into or you're already in this particular kind of setting is and, and again, this applies to any setting, which is trying to determine what those values are. Like, right. what are the deep embedded values that um, that you see in in the particular context you're in? For small towns, a lot of it is going to be very traditional values. It's going to be looking at church and Christianity and religion and those things in a particular way that I think pastors will have a really big challenge in trying to unpack. So, for example, in a lot of small towns. Um, it's hard to offend people with the gospel. Um, you know, mm. people have typically grown up maybe right. being connected with some kind of a church environment. So, um, you know, for example, in our town, you know, we have a mayor that when he holds events, I mean, he prays. Right. And he prays in Jesus' name, right? Right. Um, and, and that's expected. And that is not, be, he's not receiving any pushback um, against any, we don't have a lot of diverse groups you know, kind of contained in the town that would that would push back against sure. that. In fact, it would be the other way. If he didn't do that, there'd be people offended or thinking like, what's happening? Why, you know, why aren't we holding to these traditional values? And so I think that's just one thing yeah. um, out of many things that, again, one of the unique challenges of pastoring in that context would be um, seeing those traditional values and being able to communicate to people um, with the gospel in terms of saying, hey, Traditional values do do not equal the gospel, so we've mm. got to make a distinction here, right? Mm. Because traditional values don't save you, right? Um, so we we got to talk about you know what Scripture has to say 
about those kinds of things. So that would be one example of it for sure. Yeah, well, we'll just press in here a little bit. I love, um, well, you know, and I guess in honor of Tim Keller's passing as well, he wrote a great book on church planning, Center Church, and um, holds, right, when you enter into a new culture, a new context, right, there's these kind of these doctrines that are held or these beliefs that are held within the local community. And then you have to come in with the gospel values, which, you know, sometimes will, you know, will affirm components, but then challenge, right? Or, and <laughs> you're right, in some sense, some things will be offensive to, um, to you as well. And so what does that process look like? I guess, you know, I think um, I personally, and maybe listeners, you know, come from a, an environment where a lot of things are more transient, where, there is a more rapid maybe exchange of ideas where there is in some sense an open dialogue for ideas. Um, but from what I'm hearing from you, it seems like that takes a longer time. Maybe there's a little slower on-ramp for folks. Um, what has been your process? What would be some encouragement for pressing in to a value, you know, the traditional value, how to engage people in discipleship? I know it's pretty open, but does that make sense? No, it's... It does. It's a really good question, actually. I, th- I think one of the you kind of said it a minute ago, which is I, I think being slow is really key, being patient, um, because you know there is a suspicion in a lot of small towns about about things that are too fast. Um, so you you need to definitely slow. You know, I came from a I came from a Southern California suburban environment where everything yeah. is fast. Yeah. And there, there's no weather, so nothing ever is slowed down, you know. Um, yeah. To uh, you know, to a northeast environment in mid Ohio, there is weather and there's the seasons, and um, so I think respecting that, I think respecting some of those traditional values um, for the good that con- that can come out of them is really important. And that, hmm. and that what that does, it allows you to have compassion for what people have have you know what they've experienced, what they're coming through, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the um, you know, a, a lot of how they see the world has just been handed down to them, um, like it has been in any environment. And um, so I think just being slow, being patient. And I think just, you know, again, we're talking about Christian values here, you know, being gentle, um, letting them know that you, you care about them um, as people. You're, you're not just looking at them as, you know, something that you can incorporate into a church program that you're trying to develop. Yeah. But, they're, but they're people and the values that they hold to are not unimportant, you know. Um, they, they may be misplaced and they may have gotten a, a little bit out of line um, to what we see you know, in terms of alignment with the gospel. But you're here to sort of walk through them with that and to gently and compassionately, um, you know, kind of point to Scripture and say, right. the problem with this is that um, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it, it leads us to a particular posture of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is not finding fulfillment in, in Christ, you know, and that's and that, so forth. If traditional values have become our religion or have become our idol, then it's just the same as any other thing that attempts to replace Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're always you're always challenging in that in that mm-hmm. way. But I think you have to do it. In a, it can't just be like, well, I preached that one sermon, and so everything's great now and everything's fixed. It's mm-hmm. just sort of something you know. You would say this in any context. Um, but it's something that you're slowly, slowly kind of continually unpacking right. um, as Scripture kind of points to it. So I'm, I'm still learning how to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I'm learning how to do it better and with God's grace and mm-hmm. with His help. Um, just being, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not tr- not trying to stand at such a distance from these things, but really trying to ask good questions of people. Hey, tell me about your experience growing up in this town, because my experience was different. 
I don't want to assume that I know what that was like. And to be able to minister to you and preach to you better and to love you in a more gospel-centered and compelling way, I, I need to know what your experience was. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think being slow and really attempting to ask good questions and listen is is just it's just so key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you feel like are some of the biggest, um, maybe in the last decade or so, or since your time being and you know where you are, some of the maybe the more cultural changes to our country, to the world, you know, um, that have really impacted this small town and people are starting to think more of how this then impacts the next generation, you know, um, as well. And so I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, you, you, you know, is there a lot, is there a lot of young folks moving into these towns? You know, is that something that's new that we're seeing more migration back to the rural areas? What are some of the, you know, the cultural changes that are now people in your congregation are wrestling with and is an opportunity to kind of engage, you know, at a more natural level. Is that, I don't know if that makes sense. That does, yeah. yeah. I think you know. So, I think I think small. I think the cliche of small towns is that they are they they push against change, and I, I think there's a I think there's something general in that that's true. But yet, you know, every house on my street has has you know uh, has an you know an iPhone, you right, know, right, an, right, an Apple computer, an iWatch, you know, all those things. So, you know, small towns are keeping up with. You know, I would say, you know, technology, like, you know, the, the world has, the world has, in a small town, has broadened for them in the way that maybe it has shrunk for, for other contexts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so everybody is kind of seeing the same things, hearing the same things. Now, how they're interpreting those things, mm-hmm. you know, that's where sort of like, like their values and their worldview comes right, in. Right, right. And so I think uh, with younger people, what you're see- what what you typically see, I think in this context specifically is you'll see people leave for a time, they'll maybe go away to college, they'll get education, they'll kind of find, you know, kind of their career path. And then at some point when it's, when they've gotten married, they've settled down and they're mm-hmm. able to, they might want to come back into this context because it, it, um, it's familiar to them. They, they feel like it's a very safe place to raise their families. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, with that and with, with younger, so we have a church that's, we, we do have a, we do have a really good sort of like uh, a good percentage of young people in our church mm-hmm. as well as older people. And the younger people are definitely bringing um, just, a, I would say, a greater awareness of what's going on in the world. So whether that's, you know, culture, politics, um, there's definitely a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a generational openness to what, what's what's happening. Sure. And then I think with the, so you, you, you've got a younger generation that's looking forward Mm-hmm. You have an older generation that's that's kind of perpetually looking back, and then I'm kind of this middle. I'm this Gen X, you know, generation that that's kind of weighing both things. That you know, sure. weighing both things in the balance. You know, we're looking forward, but we're old enough to where we're looking back a little bit, and we're kind of disillusioned with it all. That's our generation, and so I, I think I'm in a unique place mm-hmm. because I, I kind of I, I formed a middle ground mm-hmm. age wise in our mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. and um, it's interesting to see how some of the younger people that are coming in that are sort of, I wouldn't say pushing against their traditional values, but they're definitely holding things a little more open than maybe would have happened 20 years ago with my generation being at that age. And so you're getting what I would say is more prevailing opinions that are, Mm -hmm. that are kind of rising to the surface when it comes to all kinds of things, raising kids, you know, what do we think of, you know, our new president? What do we think of the upcoming elections? 
What do we think of social media? Mm. So those are those are just conversations that are that are happening a, a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think I think in that way, small towns are broadening; they're opening up mm-hmm. to newer mm-hmm. ideas, new ways of thinking through things. Yeah. And um, it's probably unsettling to a lot of people, right? As well, right? Yeah. And so the the title of the book is "Pastoring Small Towns" and. So I'm trying to put myself now in the, you know, the feet of, you know, I'm based in a city here in New England. And so it is interesting because New England people hold to these, this traditionalism. It's a very historic state, right? So we have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of church movements started in New England, but, you know, a lot of the gospel has left the church building and the sentimentalism, right, has people like the good old days of the church building, but and the you know, but have left some of the 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 true power and presence right of Jesus, and so, but I I guess in an urban environment, I'm trying to put myself in a small town shoes right now. What are some of the you know for ministry leaders? This book is geared toward ministry leaders, pastors. What are some of the challenges they're facing, and what are some of the things you just encourage them to maybe press in a bit on from your experiences? Yeah, I think one of the big things that you hear a lot about is just we we. Um, we finished up the book with two chapters on endurance, and um, that's just, that's just a tough one for every for any pastor. And mm-hmm. I think um, the nature of being in a town that feels detached, you know, from culture or detached from right. a, a larger city environment, and just it, you know, there's a, there's a sense of detachment in a small town anyway, you know. And and again, there's something there's something that can be really good about that, right? Because you feel like you're not so crowded in. And you have space to breathe and to move, but I think for pastors it can also feel incredibly, um, you know, isolating. And I mm-hmm. think you know, mm-hmm. you know, since 2016, since Trump got elected, and there's just there's been a lot of static and there's a lot of chaos mm-hmm. um, when it comes to some of these things that have become very hot button issues. And so uh, a lot of small town pastors have had to navigate that in ways that they probably never thought they were going to have to navigate. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like you're just running interference sometimes and, and you can feel like, is this what I was called to? Mm. And you're trying to figure out things that, mm. you know, or that feel either outside or above my pay grade. And I think the encouragement is that the Lord has you in the place you're in for, you know, he knew what he was doing when he placed you in this environment mm. for these specific times. And we don't have to have answers for every single, you know, one of these like, you know, issue oriented things that, that surfaces, you know, um, you know, we can, uh, and a lot of times we can we can love our people well by saying, "Hey, you know, Scripture doesn't give us a hard answer on this, but it does give us wisdom for how to navigate disagreements. Mm-hmm. How do we love and serve one another if we might be voting for you know different candidates here, mm-hmm. you know, in the next election?" And so I think there's always opportunities to to uh, to remember that the the Lord has has led you to this place to lead like Him, hmm. and um, and yeah. you're not alone. And you should also maybe spend uh, some some very intentional time trying to find ways to connect with people of which you can find some deeper commonality with. I think that's important, and it might it's probably going to be it's probably going to require some sacrifice. Hmm. You you might have to drive a little to connect with maybe a group of pastors that you can hmm. have some some of that you know alignment right. with. Um, right. I know I had to. So at some point, I had to drive an hour to Columbus once a month. To connect with a local chapter of the gospel community of the of the gospel coalition, and just find a group of guys that you know, gosh, I could just I could get filled up, I could get encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, these mm-hmm. were guys that you know, I'm I'm sure we had differences in some minor areas, but 
you know, largely speaking, we really connected on all the major things, mm -hmm. and it was hugely encouraging to me. And it was worth taking half of a day and right. spending some money right. to make that happen. So I would encourage guys definitely totally. find a group of guys that you can, you can right. get connected to and, and enjoy some enjoy some alignment with. Mm -hmm. Awesome. No, that's good. So one of the things I think you touched on, right, and would love to hear a little bit more is that this is a really a podcast on discipleship. Really, you know, what my heart and heart for I think a lot of folks to to you know dig deeper in and spiritual growth and just discipleship and the disciplines and everything. How do you, how have you cultivated, what are some recommendations for just cultivating an environment of discipleship in really in that small town? Yeah, I think what, what we've had to do, so we started out pretty simple where we just did Sunday gatherings and midweek community groups. And um, we made a shift about a year ago in terms of, because we do have people that are working more remotely now. Yeah. And um, schedules are really different. And what we found in the last couple of years is that some of these things we were doing are, you know, our community groups, which are were big, big way that we kind of did a lot of our primary discipleship. They they weren't working for a lot of people anymore, so yeah. we we tried to find some other ways to connect people so that they could. We say we 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 phrase it like this: How do we grow in Christ but with community? Mm. And, and so we just we just developed some other, you know, kind of similar things to community groups, but just get just. Pro Provided people with more options mm -hmm. in, in terms of timing and some of the the intensities at which they can learn and grow in in scripture and then grow in scripture with one another. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of going we're kind of going back and saying, hey, maybe maybe it's time to do some Sunday school stuff. Maybe it's time to offer some theology classes. And mm -hmm. we kind of stepped into some of those things. Yeah. People have really loved it. They've enjoyed it. And so we are we are um, in some ways trying new things, trying new ways to to uh, disciple our people, yeah. um, not not throwing anything away because it's too traditional, right? Sure. Um, just saying, hey, what has the church done in the last you know X number of years, and how do how can we incorporate it within our context, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how can we how can we just how can we love people? So we, as a church plant that is just entering its tenth year, um, we still try to have a very fluid. Hey, we can still throw things against the wall and see if they stick. Mm -hmm. We can try to find ways for sure. us to be a light in the town and to not be not not to not to grow too inwardly but to still be an outward church right that's finding ways to connect with our community so let's be creative about that let's try to find ways that we can engage that that fit where we're at today so i think that we just need to we need to have a fluidity with that we need to have flexibility we need to have creativity as well so we're just trying to do that right now and we're fumbling and we're tripping and uh right. the lord is the lord's helping us so. mm -hmm. Awesome. That's really cool. And so I guess now on the flip side, there's a lot of folks listening, right, who are in, you know, major metropolitan cities through, you know, coastal cities, perhaps a little more, you know, a lot, a lot of different culture, uh, sorry, you know, uh, political preferences. And now we're like, okay, well, what do I, you know, what's, what can I value or what's, what's a good benefit for me from learning from small towns? And so what would be kind of, you know, as I know you came from Southern California, what are some things you've learned or you would kind of, you know, impress upon listeners to say, you know, actually there's something unique here that maybe folks in the city need to need to consider in their ministry as well. Yeah, I think I learned a lot from um, a guy named Zach Eswine, who um, I've learned a lot from, I'm still learning from, mm -hmm. who wrote a book called uh, The Imperfect Pastor. And he has a line in there. I'm going to butcher it, but it's along these lines, which is, um, you know, 
we like to do things as, as, as fast and as famous as possible, but the, but the enduring work we do is this very slow, mundane right. you know, work that, that marinates in the hearts of people. We, we see that as being the way that Jesus ministered, discipled you know, mm-hmm. his people. And so I think regardless of the context, I think our tendency is to want to ignore limitations, um, to go as fast as we can, to do something that is noticeable, that is seen, that is big, that affirms us. And that is just not the way of Jesus, you know. And sometimes Jesus gives us opportunities to do that. And he creates, you know, structures and, and ways for that to happen. He blesses that too. Mm. But I think the primary work that's going to be most effective in the hearts of the people that God has given us is that slow, intentional, um, ordinary, mm-hmm. you know, work that marinates in their hearts. Right. And so I think, I think that would be the encouragement for whatever context you're in is to hit the brakes and to ask yourself, how do you define greatness? How do you define, uh, you know, effectiveness in ministry? Because it might be that we're using sort of a, a, a very worldly metric in terms of how to determine yeah. that. And we should just really be careful. We should also use that as an opportunity to measure our own level of ex- exhaustion and what, what are the things that we just keep doing that we're spinning out in mm-hmm. and ask why, we, why we're doing that, you know? Right. And um, so I think regardless of the a small town just forces you to go slower. Um, but right. that's a that's a good thing. Right. I'm, and I'm still struggling with that because I, I tend to be a little I'm impatient. I want to be faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think that is something that that would apply to any context. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, fantastic. Well, thank you. This has been, you know, impactful. And I, you know, my my prayer is that for folks who listened or want to learn more, they can get a copy of the book. Um, and just where can we find you and if there's any other resources that maybe you'd encourage or point people to that have been helpful or, you know, any, anything, uh, you know, about your book or the, you know, the work that you and, and Don are doing, um, would love for you to include those here as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you can go to pastoringsmalltowns.com and that has all the info on the book and how to order it and mm-hmm. the links, all the places to order it. And then, um, you go to, you can go to ronniemartin.org. And that has all my information and all mm-hmm. the other books and some music stuff and how to, how to mm-hmm. contact me. You can also go to our church website, substance-church.org, and then I think oneharborchurch.org for Donnie. Mm-hmm. All of our contact information is on there. Um, it's been really fun to mm-hmm. connect with um, just other pastors within this context and even beyond mm-hmm. this context that have read the book, right. that have friends who are in this context. and. Um, so we're, uh, we try to be open books, and we're cool. happy to, to dialogue with anybody. It's a privilege to do that. Mm-hmm. So if, if, we can, if we can help in any way or just listen in any way, we, we'd love to, uh, love to step into that space with you. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. It's a good time. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll, we'll see you later.